Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Let's pray together. Father, we ask right now, we're so honored that you would allow us to worship in this space. God, would you create an atmosphere, create an atmosphere of intimacy, create an atmosphere of wisdom. We ask that you will speak. And so when we walk away from this place, we pray that it's clear. It wasn't men trying to encourage people, but it was God transforming his people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it, again, it is worth noting that this is the, uh, our venue is here at the Atlantic uh, Jazz Club, all right? And so for those of you that will be attending every Sunday, um, I want you to get used to coming into this space. Now, uh, it is worth noting, this is a jazz club and it is a bar, all right? So this is my promise to you, all right? Every Sunday, we will be a church built on a rock. Amen? Amen? Yes. But throughout the week, it's going to be a club built on Ciroc, all right? So just, you just, if you can't get over that, we have a whole nother service at 4 p.m. in a church. So if that's hard for you, just look past the bar. But it's going to be here every week. Amen? Amen. All right, so we're in, we're in, you know, you know how it is. So look, so we're in a series. Some people are like, I like it better that way. Can't wait for a communion. Listen, we're in a series. We're in a series right now about um, abundance, right? And, 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 and we've talked about the different areas. I don't have time to really cover all those bases, but here's what I want us to know. We've talked about thriving. We've talked about you having an impact. We've talked about you seeing the fruit of God work through your life. But here's the challenge that I know is going to be for many of you. You see, New York has this attraction to ambitious people. And so because we are ambitious, we have a tendency to want to be used up. But sometimes we pour out so much we burn out. And here's what we do. We trade in peace for progress. And all the goals that we set become gods that are overseeing us. We don't end up liking ourselves. The things, the dreams that we had at the beginning of the year can start to rule our lives particularly for those of us here in this city. This city in particular creates a strain. I want you to say this with me. We live in a unique place. Say it again. We live in a unique place that moves at a unique pace. It moves at a unique pace. So you need unique rest. You need unique rest you got to be serious about rest in this place. You've got you've to train yourself to slow down. You live in a unique place that moves at a unique pace. And because of that, you need unique rest. 1975, a movie came out called Rocky. In the movie, 
Rocky Balboa is considered the Italian stallion. He's actually, he works in like this meat market. He's like a, he works for a butcher. And one of the things that happens is he's kind of a, a low-rate boxer. Well, Apollo Creed, who is the champion, decides he wants to give a nobody a chance. The guy he was going to fight backs out. And so there comes this point where Rocky can't believe he's about to fight Apollo Creed. The night before, he's nervous. He walks around the ring. He comes back home, and he's talking to Adrian. And something he says, I believe, speaks to who we are as well. I will not try to perform the accent. Praise God. Here's what he says, but hear it in his vernacular. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed, meaning no one has ever gone 12 rounds. Apollo Creed had knocked out everyone he had ever fought. And if I can go that distance, you see, and that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life, see, that I weren't just another bum from the neighborhood. What he says is this. If I can just still be standing, I'll finally know I'm not a bum. You see, there's something other than the fight happening. Rocky's fighting his narrative. He's fighting his story. He's fighting who he was as a little boy. He's fighting who he was in the neighborhood. He's fighting significance. He's fighting purpose. He's fighting destiny. For Rocky, there's a fight happening underneath the fight. And for you and for me, we always have a temptation for if I could just, or if I could just lose this weight, which is a real ministry in my life, amen. <laughs> if I could just get organized, if I could just move into this new place in this job, if I could just get this relationship, if, if I could just get married, you know, if I could just get kids, if I could just, and there's a temptation to turn something into greater than what it could possibly be. And so you're working, but there's work underneath your work. There's significance work, purpose work, identity work, narrative work. And since there is work underneath your work, you need rest underneath your rest. You need a greater sense of rest. To, today, I want to teach you two things. I want to teach you how to rest in life and rest in Christ. Amen? I want to teach you how to rest in life and rest in Christ. Rest in life, rest in Christ. You've got to learn how to rest in life, but the deeper work is resting in Christ. Amen? Some of you are okay with resting in life. He's like, I got that. But there's a deeper work there. You can go on vacation, you can detach yourself, you can drink, you can smoke, you can do all these things, but it will not give you the kind of peace that Christ can give. You got to learn how to rest in life, rest in Christ. Rest in life, rest in Christ. Amen? Yeah. All right, so I want to look in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 had just actually talked about, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Well, then in chapter 12, Jesus is just walking through these grain fields with his disciples, and something significant happens. He has this interaction with the Pharisees. 
Here's what happens in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, At that time, Jesus passed through the grain fields. On the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and began to pick and eat some heads of grain. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, See, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, the Pharisees understand that going all the way back to Moses, Sabbath was a day of rest. And so there is not only what Moses has written, but from Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible that we understand, the Old Testament, from Torah, there would be additional laws created by leaders, Jewish leaders. And that's called the Hakala. And the Hakala had these micro-detailed laws, things you could not do. And for the Hasidic community, they've always changed those laws to accommodate the new season that they were in. Now, it's our proclivity to diss the Pharisees because we see them and we say, see, y'all are tripping about having all these different laws. But one thing you have to understand, the reason why they created so many rules for Sabbath is because the Jews were former slaves, And when you're a former slave, here's what happens. You work from a survivor's mentality. And when you have a survivor's mentality, that's hard to turn off even when you're in the midst of peace. When you've been working for life, when you've been working for sustenance, when all you know is I've got to get by to make it, that's hard to turn off even when you're in a promised land. And let me tell you this. I say this as someone who has been here for years, I still wonder if people are going to come to church. Because when when you got that survivor spirit, when you're not sure if rent's going to get paid, even when you're in abundance, you still operate with that same spirit. Amen? And so they created rules in order to teach themselves to downshift because it was not going to come naturally. So here's the principle. Rest is not a natural thing for you, particularly for the driven ones in the crowd. It just won't happen. Weekend does not mean rest. It might mean doing less things, but it does not mean turning off. Rest is a discipline. That sounds like an oxymoron, but rest is a discipline. So you have to have clarity about what drives you and what re-energizes you. What drives you and what re-energizes you. You have to have clarity about that. Now, as I said, the, the Jews have shifted, many Jews have shifted on these rules, but even in many Hasidic communities, there are many rules that they have created. What you can't do on the Sabbath, they would say, is there's no writing, erasing, or tearing. There's no business transaction, driving, or riding in cars or other vehicles. Shopping or using the phone. Y'all are like, I don't think I'm Jewish. I don't don't think I can. (laughs) Turning on or off anything, which uses electricity, lights, radios, television, computer, air conditioners, alarm clocks. Cooking, baking, kindling a fire, gardening, grass mowing, doing laundry. All these things are these rules. Now, whenever you have a personal rule, that's a good thing. Whenever I use my personal rule for you, that's what we call legalism. So it's important that you understand what drives you and what re-energizes you. What's your thing? What's your thing? 
what's the thing that gets you going? What gets you excited? And what helps you decompress? You have to know that thing. That's not a small thing. That's a discipline to know. My wife, she has her thing. My wife is, she loves creation. She's like, I just want to go to a park. I want to, I want, I want to go, you know, I want to, be, I want to be out by water. Jay, I want to be out by water. Okay, I need, I need that. And we're built very differently. Because I don't need to be at creation. Now, I have my thing on my day off. Y'all want to hear it? Y'all want to hear it? Here's what I call my thing. It's a special word. Ready? I call it no thing. <laughs> I don't want to do nothing on my day off. I don't want to be in creation. I don't want to go to a park. I don't want to go to a coffee shop. I want to be in my bed. My wife's like, don't you like creation? I'm like, someone created the TV. Amen. I know some, I think it's called Samsung. Amen. I know somebody created this thing. That's all I want to do. I don't want to do anything because that's my thing, right? You have to know what's your thing. What drives you? I know that I, when I get emails and details, it drives me. So I've got to be very careful about how I associate myself with details, especially during my time off. But just to turn off does not mean you've really rested. You've got to find what replenishes you and what re-energizes you. What is your thing? Be very detailed about your thing. Be very specific about your thing and fight for your thing. Whatever your thing is, tell people that's my thing. I just need, and, and, and part of our marriage is us dancing because we're, we're, we're married, amen, so sometimes my thing is her thing, amen? We're in the park, we're in the park, all right? Because it's our thing, all right? And I got three other kids, and they, they like their mama. They want to be out, except my middle one. She likes TV, too, so we koinonia. We have fellowship in Christ. Fight for your thing. This space will not let you rest. This space will only add fuel to your fire. And you're in an environment where people are so ambitious. And you'll do it. You'll trade in peace for progress. And in the middle of the year, you'll look at all those goals and it will wear you out. You must be disciplined about rest. Amen? But the second level is resting in Christ. Not just resting in life, resting in Christ. So the, the scripture goes on in Matthew chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Jesus begins to respond to these Pharisees. And he says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For, listen, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Say, let, let's say that with me, that verse 8. Son of, for, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On one, two, three. One, two, three. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. What Jesus was trying to teach is that he is the author of Sabbath. As author, he understands Sabbath in ways that they did not understand. But he's also teaching them something deeper. That Sabbath, all the rules and regulations, were actually pointing to him. When he says he's Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying Sabbath rest 
is fully found and experienced in me. Jesus's definition of rest, God's definition of rest is different than ours. Because what we fully understand is resting in life, turning off, getting away. But resting in Christ is something different. And we must learn from the Lord of the Sabbath to understand rest. He could have said it this way, I'm the Lord of rest. I know all about rest. I could teach you something about rest. The origins of our understanding of rest actually happen in Genesis chapter 2. It's up on the screen. And God saw all that he had made, and it was good. Watch this. And God finished the work he had been doing so that on the seventh day he rested from his work. He rested from his work. Now, God, the way he's making things is he's saying them, which would be an incredible skill set. Amen? Right? Just sun. Bam. Stars. Wow. So God, in his infinite wisdom and dynamic skill set, is actually speaking things into existence. He's kind of the guy that thought of that, right? He does that. Well, then why is he resting? If we don't see him hanging, it wasn't like he was like, I got to hang this star today. Man, I'm tired. Was God tired? Probably not, right? So if God wasn't tired, then why is he resting? If God is not exhausted and just needs a day off, like, oh, man, I tell you, boy, that sun, boy, where brother out, them birds, boy, it's just so much detail, so many colors. That's not why he's tired. Listen, God rested not because he was exhausted. Listen, he rested because he was finished. And that's a different kind of rest. That's a rest you got to enter into. Being done. You ever have something you finish? You're done. That, that, that hits different. That's celebratory. That's exciting. Finishing. When you graduate, when you graduate and the ceremony that happens, you're already graduated, but the ceremony, teachers or a dean or a president coming and saying, essentially, you're done. I, the author, I, the leader, me, the leader, I come and I now deem you complete with your work. You're finished. You're done. You don't have to work anymore. You're accomplished. It's satisfied. It's complete. Finished work. And when we look in the book of Genesis, one of the refrains that we continue to hear God say isn't, man, I hung the stars. He says, it's good. He not only does a work, he continues to say, it has met the necessary requirements to fulfill its intended purpose. It's good. Stars are good. Very good. 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 And once he had said his last good, he had finished his work. 
for my ambitious people. Let me tell you one of your greatest struggles, feeling finished. Oh, because there's always one more. There's always one more meeting, always one more detail. There's always one more conversation. There's always one more. One of your greatest struggles is not being finished, it's feeling finished. Complete. Done. I've satisfied all the requirements necessary for this to be not only functional, but excellent. I'm done. You struggle with being done. You struggle with slowing down. You struggle with turning off. You struggle with relaxing. And you might hear a series like this and be like, I want an abundant life. I want to thrive. I want to make an impact. And you will drive yourself into exhaustion. And it won't be resting in completion. It will be burnout in depletion. And some of you have already been there in your life. And I proclaim to you, this is not this year. This year is going to be different. Because this year, we are not just going to define ourselves by our accomplishments. This year, we are going to be deliberate. We're going to fight for rest. We're going to fight for rest. You see, so if we're going to enter into rest, notice what the author of Hebrews says. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person, watch this, who has entered his rest, his rest, God's rest, has rested from his own works. Watch this. Just as God did from his. Now he's saying Sabbath rest to truly rest is to rest like God rested from his work. And to enter that rest would mean that I not only am feeling complete, but I am resting in a completed work. I was not the person you wanted on your group project, amen, in school? That just wasn't who I was. I am the guy that you wanted in front of people to talk about what we accomplished. That was my ministry. But all the details and the research and the, that just, was, <laughs> just wasn't God made me to do. So, you know what I'm saying? But there's always one. And you might be here today, and I want to thank you so much for being a part of it. There's always one. They're just like, okay. And then all of a sudden, it's like, ta-da, and it's just done. In other words, there was somebody's like, this work's going to get done. And you got to think of salvation as a group project. He completed all the work, and I get the benefits. I get the benefits. He completes the work. And I've got to enter into his rest. I've got to be satisfied in the work that he accomplished, not what I'm trying to accomplish. And you will never, if you are trying to rest in Christ and you're still turned on, you haven't rested enough. You haven't worshiped enough. You've got to learn how to be disciplined in worship. That's why I, I try to encourage you in this understanding. Don't ever presume that worship is a matter of just hearing music or hearing songs. 
Worship, rather, is you entering in and letting your imagination and your heart be so captured by God that you give him the work. Do you understand? You can't deal with them kids. Kids going to wear you out. Give them those kids. You're trying to change things in your life in your own strength, and you're going to burn out. And it's not, I'm not talking about accomplishing work. I'm talking about the level of significance it has in your heart. And you've got to give that significance work, that narrative work, that life work, you've got to give that to the Lord. And it is only in that moment that you are truly resting in him. In John 19, Jesus would say this while on the cross. It is is finished. He bows his head and he gave up his spirit. It's finished. It's finished. Salvation is accomplished by me. It's done. And the Bible says that our identity is to be in him and to rest in him. And so this year, here's what I want for you. I want you to be ambitious and content at the same time. In this space, nice, amen? It took us five years to get here. 43 different spaces. 43 different spaces. We looked at 43 different spaces. Five years, 43 different spaces. And after every time we got turned down, after every rejection, I had to get back up here and preach, love my family, and give all that I had. We had to keep leading. You see, the key to having ambition and contentment, Rockies, he's fighting, right? He says, if I can go 12 rounds. And in your brain, you got this thing that you've created. If I can just do this. And this year, you're going to set a goal and you're not going to meet it. But see, you got to go back into the corner with Mickey, dog. You got to watch the movie. Anyway, you got you to gotta go. You got to get, in other words, you got to let Jesus be in the corner with you saying, you can do it one more time. You can get back out there again. And then as you get knocked down, it's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. And you have to let him to heal your wounds. But see, a good corner man, he heals your wounds, but he lets you go back out there again. And you need to, you need to make goals again. Do you hear me? You need to make goals again. You need to dream again. You've let down some dreams because you don't want to fail again. Let me tell you, the only way you can make a knockout, you got to put yourself in a position to be knocked out if you're going to make a knockout. In other words, some of you are so afraid of being hurt, but when it's finished, you don't have to be, you don't have to be afraid of uh, being hurt because you don't even have to be afraid of death. You see, the beauty of completed work in Christ, I can take risks. My identity is not in it. How do you think we went after space 25? We looked at at space 26 because I'm content in Christ, but I'm still ambitious to do great things for him. And I need you to have that double barrel shotgun of wisdom and insight. I want you to be content in Christ, but ambitious for him. Amen. Say that with me. Ambitious in Christ. Content in Christ. Ambitious in Christ. Content in Christ. 
I want you to be ambitious and content. Ooh, you will be dangerous for the kingdom of God because failure won't define you. And you'll still be driven for great things. What? You're going to be phenomenal. God's going to do incredible things through you. And this space, we ought to call it ambitious and content. Amen? Because it came from five years of searching and searching and searching. And you go back in the corner and he says, it's okay. That space don't define you. And how could we have seen this day? How could we have seen this day? And so this year, you're going to be ambitious. This year, you're going to be content. And you're going to walk in the destiny that God has for you. For Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works he's prepared beforehand so that you might walk in them. It's not about you. It's what he's prepared for you. See, this is prepared for me. This has been prepared for me. This has been prepared for us. I don't, I don't struggle about it. And all this, all this I, I know, this has been prepared for us. I walk in that. When I walk in, I'm like, welcome. <laughs> it's his. Would you stand with me? For those of you we'll see next week at this space, let's start a culture here. I hope, I hope all the TVs and all this stuff work with us. We're figuring this stuff out. But we're going to see God do amazing things through this church. I want to see God do amazing things through you. And I'm trusting the Lord to go beyond your imagination. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, ambitious in Christ. Ambitious, but yet content in Christ. Give us both. Only the Spirit of God can make us both. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.